It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. Today is March 4th, 2018. If you're listening on Locked On Magic, it'll be March 5th, 2018. My name again is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site host. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com, as well as the host of Locked On Magic, the daily podcast covering the Orlando Magic. You can check that out on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. I want to welcome everyone to another edition of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can, of course, leave your comments in the comments section below. They're right there. Um, you can't see that if you're listening on the podcast, uh, but trust me, they are there interact with you live here as I answer your questions about the Orlando Magic live on the air. Let me get my timer going as well so I can add, put the ads in that I need to put in. Um, but lots to get to today on today's show. Uh, as I've done throughout the season, this will be our third quarter recap show. I'm going to talk about who my third quarter MVP of the season is. It's not who you think. Uh, as well as talk about what I want to see from the Orlando Magic during the fourth quarter quarter of the season, the final quarter of the season as we've reached the final 20, 21, 20, I think 21 games left in the season. It's about 20 games left in the season. So it's going to be a, a little bit of a sprint to the finish. A lot of home games coming up too as the Magic are pretty much home for the, for the rest of March after this nine-day road trip that they're getting ready to start with soon. But before we get to all of that, the Magic did play two games this weekend. They played the Detroit Pistons on Friday beat them, uh, played the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday, beat them, and, and two games that were fairly different uh, but but had a lot of the same kind of results and the same kind of uh, uh, heft to them, I would say. Uh, essentially, uh, on Friday, the Magic were pretty much playing even with the Pistons, I would say. Uh, you know, a team that's in the playoff hunt, they, they were... They were in the game. They 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 fought pretty hard. Um, they made they made things very difficult, and, and they played really really well. Um, they found themselves down by six late in the game, and it was just like, okay, the, the Pistons are a better team. They got more talent. They're gonna find a way to to eat this out. The Magic just don't have the horses to get to the end. But instead, it was Orlando's defense that stepped up. It was Orlando's defense that held Detroit to just one field goal in the final nine minutes of the game, and and that includes the overtime. Now Orlando was up. Two in the overtime period, Nikola Vucevic passed up on an open layup, tried to give it to Shelvin Mack for an open three. That didn't go down, led to a fast-break bucket. The actual only field goal the Pistons made in the final nine minutes of that game uh, or led to a runaway dunk, and that tied it and sent it to overtime. But Orlando recovered, and, 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 Orla- and this, this was a moment where Orlando's lost so many games like this just by little stupid mistakes like that. Uh, but Orlando recovered and dominated the overtime period. Evan Fournier hit a big three to make it a two-point game in, in regulation. He scored 10 of the team's final 14 points and 7 of the team's 11 points in overtime 
to lead the Magic to a victory, a much-needed victory to break a seven-game losing streak, and everyone was feeling good, at least in the building. Saturday night, Orlando comes out. They're very sloppy against the Memphis Grizzlies. Their defense is struggling. They're, they're keeping pace, but Memphis, a team that is undoubtedly tanking, a team that is struggling just to field uh, what feels like an NBA roster, they're scrapping, they're fighting hard, and, and that's that's a team that 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 I, that you know knows their identity and knows who they want to be and have guys that are fighting for their NBA lives. They find a way to go up six late in the fourth quarter, and Orlando comes back again. Orlando's the one that finds a way. Orlando's the one that makes the plays to win the game, and Evan Fournier hits another big three-pointer to give the Magic a three-point lead. Jonathan Isaac playing his first two games back in a Magic uniform, in an Orlando Magic uniform, I should say, um, after uh, an extended absence, blocks a three-pointer, a game-tying three-pointer from Jarrell Martin. Uh, that's exactly what he was in there to do, uh, essentially. Uh, e- even after Jarrell Martin put a nasty pump fake and Isaac bit on it, he he recovered so incredibly well. Uh, and Orlando holds on for a 107-100 victory at the Amway Center on Saturday. Obviously, if you want to look at the micro of it, two wins are a very good thing. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm my, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. My position is very clear. Winning is very, winning is always good. There's never such thing as a bad win. Uh, and so Orlando getting these two wins, especially before heading out on the West coast on their West coast trip is to me a positive sign. Orlando showed some tremendous growth. Uh, they made, they made some big plays down the stretch. Evan Fournay struggled in both games to shoot the ball, but stepped up big at the very end, made basket, made the shots, made the baskets that his team needed him to make to to make sure that they won the game. And, and that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. Um, Aaron Gordon, I thought, played a fantastic game on Friday. 27 points, I think, in that game. Um, really efficient shooting. Did a great job defensively on Blake Griffin, even though Blake Griffin nearly had a triple-double. Um, it's it's a, a, It was a really strong effort from Orlando all around in that game. Um, while I don't think Gordon got the same shots that, that he wanted or, or got the same kind of looks that he was looking to get, um, he, I thought, still played a solid game on on um, on Saturday as well. But, of course, the big story is Jonathan Isaac. Isaac back with the team after a short G League stint, after a long injury, limited to 15 minutes, but made a huge impact in those 15 minutes. I know I, I got a few comments online saying, man, Isaac's not impressing me. He's not scoring. He's got to look to score. And I, I think even his brother tweeted me and like Isaac. Isaac's got to score. Isaac's got to score and look to be more aggressive. And I agree. Isaac's got to look to be more aggressive, and his offense is going to come. But when you watch him play, I don't know how you could look at the way Isaac played in either of those two games and not just be absolutely stunned and impressed with how good with how how good he is already. This is a kid who hasn't played an NBA game since December twenty sixth. That's a long time, especially for a rookie. Clearly needs to get his win back. Clearly needs to get his energy back. And it's going to take another week for him to do that. But he is already, I think, one of the best defensive players on the team. If not the best defensive player on the team. It's so obvious the impact he makes defensively. Just deflecting passes, just getting in passing lanes, just just being a presence. That block, I mean, the Magic threw him in there with four tenths of a second left uh, against the Pistons in a tie game with the explicit direction of deflect the inbounds pass. And he deflected the inbounds pass. Against the Memphis Grizzlies, Magic threw him in on a defensive position. This is a rookie who hasn't played since December. They threw him in. He was guarding the shooter bid on a pump fake, and recovered to block the shot. This kid is extremely impressive. I, I, I don't think there's any other way to say it. This kid is so good already. It's going to take time for him to get his timing back. Defensively, he's still sometimes a little late on his rotations, but the instincts are there. Offensively, he's going to need a lot of work still. But... Isaac, has, Isaac, and this was true before the injury, Isaac is so impressive on the defensive end, he forces the coaches, coaching staff to play him because he makes that big of an impact. You know, David Steele in his Is This Anything uh, segment yesterday noted that the Magic's defensive rating with Isaac on the floor is something like 101 points allowed per 100 possessions. 
with him off the floor, it's like 109. You don't want to pin that all on the kid. But you got to think a big part of it is the kid. That, that he just raises the team. He's able to raise the team's defensive level just a little bit. And, and that is a really unique thing to have. And the kid, you know, every time I've talked to Isaac, I've always come away really impressed with his maturity. Um, you know, it, I'm not a big religious guy. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to tell you to go watch the, watch the thing. But um, I did watch Jonathan Isaac's sermon at, at the church that he attends that was posted on YouTube, you know, the famous one. Um, but, you know, he is just really mature as, as, as a human being. He's got to mature physically still, uh, and, and he's got to develop his game around that maturity. But this kid, is it, he's, he's really good already. Um, and, and I think the Magic season definitely turned because he wasn't on the floor. I mean, essentially the Magic's probably two most consistent perimeter defenders have been out the entire year. Jonathan Isaac, and I would argue Terrence Ross. They've been out almost the entire year. And that has had a huge negative impact on this team. Um, because, obviously, the Magic are where they're at. I don't think Isaac and Ross alone would change too much of where they're at. But they're where they're at. And the big thing... The big thing that... I got drawn into and in, in conversations that I have and I feel like I need to make myself and my position clear and my relationship to people clear here. When I was watching the Magic's game against the Grizzlies, there were two distinct reactions that deserve noting. First reaction was in the arena. When Jonathan Isaac blocked that shot, you could feel the energy in the building, even if you were watching on TV. That that win, that moment meant something. You could feel it in the mood in the locker room, too. When the Magic win, everyone's in a better mood. They've gone through so much losing. Every win feels precious. And it helps everyone just... It helps cement the things that this team needs to cement. Like, you could kind of even feel it in the irrational confidence that Evan Forney had after the game. He said... I was having a bad game, but I knew I, I had to hit the game-winning shot, so I did. Evan Fournier is pretty clutch. Um, the, the stats bear that out as well. So the feeling in the arena was one of jubilation, that the team won, that everyone had a good time at the game. Short-term success. Short-term feeling, just a little bit of that winning high. Online, and I knew it was coming, and I joked about it that it was coming. Online, the reaction was very different. And to my mind, sometimes toxic with the way people react to this and the way people react to me and my position on, on this. But certainly one that needs considering. The reaction online was complete despondency. And I see the comment already from, from Bobby Tyrone. I'm not calling you out, Bobby. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it in a little bit. Um, it was one that recognized that the magic hurt their long-term future. Perhaps, perhaps, with these two wins. Entering the weekend, the magic were tied for the worst record in the league. 18 wins. They were 18 and 42. And undoubtedly, having the best odds to win the lottery is significant. Say, 25% chance at the top pick, and I believe a 64% chance at a top three pick. That's significant. These two wins, because of how tight the standings are at the bottom of the, of the NBA right now, the Magic's two wins to go to 20 and 42, dropped Orlando to the seventh best lottery odds. That's something like a 5% chance to win the lottery and something like a 15% chance to get in the top three or 20% chance to get in the top three. That, those odds drops are significant. And right now, in the NBA, the way the lottery system is set up, there is an impetus to lose. While I do not subscribe to the theory that the Magic should tank this year or that, that losing is good or wins are bad, 
I feel that maybe I have not been clear enough. I feel that fans are completely rational to believe that themselves. If you believe the Magic should be tanking and that wins hurt that process and that the only way Orlando is going to get better is to give themselves the best chance at winning the lottery, you are perfectly rational to believe that. That is the system the NBA has set up. And regardless of any of that, any team trying to build, trying to rebuild, trying to get to the top of the mountain quicker, and get to the top of the mountain, period, that you have to try and take advantage of it. It is a market inefficiency. One that Sam Hinkie exploited masterfully. But as I said on last week's show, because I've talked about this issue several times, I think what Sam Hinkie did management-wise was certainly tanking. He brought in players that weren't good enough. Period. They built bad teams. But as I said last week, the difference with Philadelphia was Brett Brown and the culture he built, and the way his teams played every single night. You watch those Sixers teams play, and they were phenomenal. So, I want to make this clear. While I don't subscribe to tanking, and I think the Magic's problems are much deeper, um, I agree with Donald L. Hampton here in the comments, who says, I don't like the tanking idea because the player you could get could be a bust. None of these kids are guaranteed to be a star, and I agree with that. In this draft, there are two very good players. Two players that I think are heads and tails above everyone else. But even they have serious fatal flaws. And I think if you don't have a culture and a system that will get the most out of those players, it doesn't matter where you draft. I think what's most important now for the Magic, and I agree with Vogel on this, and I think Weltman and Hammond agree with this because that's the way they're building their team right now. I think that building a culture and building an environment where players can grow successfully is far more important than getting a top pick right now. Because essentially, any of the top six or seven guys, and it is six or seven, have the potential to grow into stars. They're all really, really good. Everyone who is going crazy over Trey Young, the magic falling to six might get you Trey Young. I don't know if you take Trey Young at three anymore. I don't ever, I don't think you ever take Trey Young at three. But at six, at six, I think you do. Easily. At this point in the draft, you might get the scrapper who thought he was a top five guy and is upset that teams passed on him. That attitude, that mindset matters. If Donovan Mitchell goes sixth to the Magic, he may not be the same player as the guy who went, what, 11th? So, I've, I've told this to everyone that I've talked to about this, and maybe I've been too aggressive, and if I have, I apologize. It's a lottery at the end of the day. You're not guaranteed anything by having a bad record. And with what's happened to this franchise and what's happened to this team over the last five years, personally, my personal opinion is I'm done relying on the lottery. The Magic need to make their own luck. The Magic need to trust that they can find and develop whoever they draft. And that getting the top overall pick doesn't matter. But I get where everyone's coming from. If we did not if we were not having these conversations, I'd be concerned. The fact that everyone wants to have these conversations, wants to do what's best for the team, even if it comes with some short-term pain. 
That's a good sign for Magic fans. There's always been concern that through the losing, the Magic would lose their fan base. And I wholeheartedly disagree. Attendance this year has been very good. Even last night, on opening night of Orlando City, the Magic did pretty well attendance-wise. It looked like a not a sold-out crowd. I wasn't expecting that. But a pretty full crowd for a Saturday night against the worst team in the league on the same night as another major sporting event. The city can support two teams. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that they can. But I get that everyone just wants what's best for this team. I want what's best for this team, and I believe culture matters more right now. You might believe what's best for this team is to bring in talent. It is a chicken or an egg problem. I fully admit that. It is a chicken or an egg problem. Do you get the player first, or do you get the culture first? I'm suggesting you can work on both. But if it costs you a few draft spots to to get culture, I'm okay with that. There is a false narrative out there that the Magic won too many games late in the season before, and that cost them Kristaps Porzingis and Joel Embiid. That is 100% not true. If you look back at those drafts, the Magic were, I think, eight games from the spot, eight eight wins better than the spot that drafted Embiid, and seven wins better than the spot that drafted Porzingis. They weren't catching either of those teams. This year is different. It the, the, the tiers haven't stratified themselves. There are six teams within a game and a half of the worst record, including the Orlando Magic. Seven teams within a game and a half of the worst record, including the Orlando Magic. And so, yeah, one win is going to cause you to drop. And so, again, I, I, I understand where everyone's coming from on this. We don't need to be at each other's throats after every win. Some of us believe one way. Some of, some of us believe another way. And I'm going to have this, I, I want to have this debate again with someone who doesn't believe what I believe. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I wanted to do a Facebook Live and one of the reasons that I, I want to expand Orlando Magic Daily a little bit is I want other voices in there. I, I, I know what my voice is. I know what I believe. Um, but I try not to impose my belief system on my writers on, at Orlando Magic Daily. And I want different perspectives. And so I welcome it. That's why I, that's why I comment to every Twitter reply. That's why I engage with fans, even trolls, even guys who I know are trolls. Because I'm tr- I want to respect your opinion and your voice. Um, this weekend, I won't lie, got a little nasty. And I hope I wasn't nasty, and I apologize if I was. Because as I've said, with the way the current system is set up, even next year with the odds evening out for the top three picks... Um, there is still incentive to lose. And so the idea of tanking is not a bad one. The idea of tanking is rational. And so I can't tell you that you're wrong, because you're not. We will see what the Magic do the rest of the season. There's there's one more quarter of the season left to go. I suspect nothing will change on the Magic's front, but I suspect probably starting in April or late March, starting in April or late March, we will begin seeing the team rest some veterans, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Bismack Biombo for sure. Maybe play Terrence Ross a little bit. Just get him healthy, get him over the hump, get him confident in his body again, and really focus on developing their young players. As Mikey Clark points out, and I think this is 100% true, throwing away a quarter of the season in hopes of landing a top pick is ridiculous. That's a lot of games that Gordon, Isaac, Awandu, Birch can develop and get valuable playing time. They are the future, and it's unfair against them if we plan to lose games. How will Aaron Gordon feel about coming back next year if the direction doesn't change or the attitude? And that I completely agree with. I ask people who are 
upset that the Magic are winning and want them to play young players, I asked them what young players aren't playing right now. And the answer, of course, is Ken Birch. And Ken Birch should be playing over Bismack Biombo. That's that I think that will happen probably after this West Coast road trip. They could increase Wesawandu's minutes. Jonathan Isaac's minutes will slowly increase. I think we will see Jonathan Isaac in the starting lineup before the end of the season. Um, but overall, the rest of the season, and, and like and personally, I'd like to see them run more offense through Aaron Gordon the rest of the year, even though I know he's can be inefficient at times. If that's tanking, fine. I can live with that. That is that is acceptable tanking me because that is player development. Player development is paramount. But what I will not stand for as a fan, as a follower, as a writer, the standard that I hold them to, and this has been true for the last six years, and this is where I come from on this issue, when you have the chance to win, you need to win. When you have the chance to win, you need to win. And so despite, yes, despite the Magic falling in the tank race, this weekend was a good weekend. Because the Magic found a way to win. And to me, that is always valuable. So I want to thank everyone for letting me have that aside and comment on that. It was a very kind of nasty weekend on that front. So I wanted to make sure that that, that I acknowledge uh, and, and, and respect um, how other people are feeling uh, and, and, and try, try and do my part to make the, the, uh, the discourse a little, a little more civil. Um, Reggie, I agree. I, I would like to bring in some people. I am going to, uh, I am going to reach out to, to a pro tanker um, and hopefully have a podcast. It won't be on the Facebook Live, uh, the Facebook Live, just the technology that I have access to. Um, I have to, I can only do it one on one, but um, Reggie, I, I do plan on on asking a pro tanker to come on the Orlando Magic Daily podcast, and we will have this debate. And I agree, um, Vooch and Evan leading them to wins isn't as productive as Aaron and Isaac doing so. I agree. If if there is something to complain about with these two wins, it is that the offense ran through Vucevic and through Evan Fournier, and I agree completely on that. There is still a little bit of me that says okay, um, you need to increase their trade value somehow, so maybe some late-game heroics will do that. Um, I think we will get to a point where, yes, even I will be annoyed by that, uh, but um, that's, that's certainly a fair complaint and, and one that, um, that, that, that is definitely deserving. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 that's, that's, that's where I go. That's where I go with that. Um, I, again, I will plan on having a pro tanker. We will have a robust debate on this. Um, you know, off Twitter. Um, so you, so yeah, um, that's, that's what's going on. Um, so we will do that in a sec. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, though, um, I want to move off the draft, move off the future. Let's look back. Let's go back to the third quarter of the season. The Orlando Magic completed the third quarter of the season on Friday night against the Detroit Pistons. They finish the third quarter of the season with a 7-14 record. They won eight games in the first quarter of the season, and they finished with seven wins in the third. So that's that's a good sign, right? That might be a good sign. A um, little bit of a late run, late push there in the middle. Um, and as we've done every quarter of the season, kind of take a step back and reflect on what happened here on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. And for the first two quarters of the season, the MVP... Probably wasn't fairly obvious, but we definitely had an eye on the future and who we picked, and he deserved it. The, the first quarter MVP and the second quarter MVP was Aaron Gordon. And his scoring and his scoring and his, and his, his ability to look like a star, really probably the guy the Magic were pushing, if they could push for someone, to be an all-star was Aaron Gordon. But Gordon only played in 12 of 21 games during the third quarter of the season. A, an injury, hip flexor, concussion... 
kept him from playing to his full abilities. He shot only 36.4% in the third quarter of the season. That's from uh, January 10th until March 2nd, 21 games. Played only 12 of them. Shot only 26.3% from beyond the arc. Gordon had hit his wall, so to speak. He came back down to earth a little bit. And honestly, that little break he had during the All-Star break might have helped reset the battery a little bit. Gordon, as good as he's been this year, and, and he'll probably be the team's MVP for the season, as good as he's been this year, still has a lot of growth to go. Let's not kid ourselves. He's still figuring out his game and figuring out what he can do and figuring out how he can help the team win best. There'll be plenty to talk about with Aaron Gordon in the in the weeks to come. So then, who is the MVP of the third quarter of the season? The easy answer might be Evan Fournier. 21 games played. I'll play all 21 games. 18.4 points per game, 45.9% shooting from beyond the arc, a solid 37.6% from, or 45.9% field goal percentage, 37.7% from beyond the arc. Just go with the top scorer, a guy who's been Mr. Consistent for the Magic, um, a guy who, yes, is probably cast in the wrong role, and the reason why the Magic are struggling is that they have a lot of guys who probably aren't ready for the roles the Magic are asking them to play. And so Evan Fournier would seem like the easy answer to be the MVP of the third quarter. But as some of you have already hinted at and suggested, and I thought this would be a little controversial, and it might be controversial on my part because I am known a little bit, I think unfairly, but I'll, I'll concede the title of one of the biggest haters of this guy. And so I'm going to give the love. As many of you have predicted, my third quarter MVP is none other than Mario Hazonia. Mario Hazonia in the third quarter of the season, his stat line feels pretty meager. Played 25 minutes per game, 12.7 points per game, 47.2% shooting from the field, 36.9% shooting from beyond the arc, 3.9 rebounds per game, 1.6 assists per game, game 1.6 steals per game. Not exactly blowing you off the page in those 21 games. But then you have to consider his history and consider a little bit of the run that he had there for a while. Hizonia started six games consecutively from February 5th through February 14th to the All-Star break when Aaron Gordon returned. So this is while Aaron Gordon was at. In 31.1 minutes per game, he averaged 17.7 points per game, 48.8% shooting from the field, 33.3% shooting from beyond the arc, 6.7 rebounds per game, 2.3 steals per game, and 1.7 assists per game. The Magic went 3-3 three three in those games. You won't say that... I don't know if you can necessarily say that Mario Hazonia is the reason the Magic went 3-3, three and three, but certainly the way he stepped up and improved is a big reason. And in fact, the fact that he even took advantage of this opportunity with the way he played at the beginning of the season, for the last year, is a big reason why he has to be the team's MVP for the third quarter of the season. The Magic season has been lost. It was lost long ago. It was lost when the Magic lost, what, nine, not, nine games in a row, eight games in a row, in December, and then lost another Nine, seven or eight games in a row in January. The team has not been fighting for a playoff spot for a while. In fact, the, the tragic number for playoff elimination is now seven. And realistically, while the Magic still have an outside chance at making the playoffs, realistically, Orlando would have to win out to make the playoffs. Because it's going to take more than 40 wins. And the most the Magic can get now is 39. That's not going to happen. So we've turned our attention to development. We've turned our attention to looking for players that are improving and how to make them better. 
How do we get young guys to step up into roles so they're ready for next year? And while Mario Azonia's future is still very much up in the air, and I would tell you there is a close to zero chance that Hazonia returns next year. It might be a little bit better. I think the Magic's interest in bringing him back has certainly increased. Hazonia's, it's about what Hazonia wants and whether Hazonia will value a second year over money or whether someone just gives him more money than the Magic can offer. Orlando's boxed in with Hazonia. They, they, it's going to be tough to bring him back next year. But he has proven that he is an NBA player. And that was not something that he was last year. Last year, he was barely playable. Through it all, Hizonia has kept working, kept belief in himself, and the coaching staff has kept some belief in him too. While Vogel may not have trusted him to play, circumstances forced him to do so. And Hizonia delivered. That's all you can ask for from a young player. When you get your opportunity, can you deliver? And he did. And while I have been hard on him, and probably unfairly so, and, and, I, and I admit there might be some bias there that, that I've kind of made it and made a conclusion about him and let that conclusion dictate my analysis, I still think he has a long way to go defensively, but he is much better. I think his, shot, his shooting has obviously come back, and that makes him valuable again. His shot selection could still be better. He still could play better within himself, but for the most part, he has done a very good job. For the most part, he has done exactly what the Magic need him to do. And while I may not consider him a starter-caliber player, he is certainly a rotation-caliber player. And that's all he needed to prove that he was this year. Whether he'll ever be fifth overall pick Mario Zonia, you see flashes of it with his shot-making, with his ability to work in the open court. He is, he is stunning in the open court. He is as good as anyone when he's confident in the open court. The half court still needs a lot of work. I think he struggles when the space gets congested. Um, and, and again, his shot making and shot selection could use a little bit of improvement still. I think, he, I think his drives are still a little wild. But, but mostly he's played within himself. Mostly he's done exactly what the Magic have asked and needed him to do. And so I think it's an obvious choice. I, I, I don't think it's an obvious choice, but, but the storyline for the third quarter of the season was all about Mario Zonia. And again, while I think that he is likely not going to be part of this team next year, and so all of it is for naught, the fact that Zonia went from barely playable, if that, player, even at the beginning of the season, everyone forgets, how much he struggled at the beginning of the season. It was this year that he blew that four-on-one with that between-the-legs bounce pass to no one against the Thunder. So, Hizonia has gone within this year from lacking confidence, from, from barely looking like he could play on the floor, to one of the more important players on the team, I would argue certainly off the bench, to a guy that Frank Vogel has made his sixth man. Saturday night against the Grizzlies, Hizonia was the guy with the second unit. They were running offense through him and letting him run the show, essentially. He was their primary scorer. He had 16 points. Didn't do too bad. More importantly to me, he struggled with it in the first half, looked a lot better in the second half. It's that growth curve that matters. And with the team now pretty much out of the playoff race, with the team pretty much not having anything to play for, that development bodes well for the future. There was that rumor that came out about Frank Vogel. Um, I'll probably comment about it a little bit more uh, later on this week. I'll, I'll, I have a post coming up on it on OrlandoMagicDaily.com later today on Sunday. Uh, but... The fact that Hizonia has grown so much this year, to me, is a really positive sign that the culture with this team is changing. Back again to that talk, but I think that is a sure sign that the team is continuing its growth progress and continuing its trajectory up.
and back to where they need to be. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that leads me into the final point that I want to make on today's episode, or the final thing I want to discuss on today's episode, and that's previewing the fourth quarter of the season. The biggest storyline that we will follow the fourth quarter of the season is that continued development. It's been that way for at least half the year now. Orlando needs to keep their young players growing. Orlando needs to keep developing their young players and seeing them improve. That's Aaron Gordon getting better as a playmaker and passer, which we've seen him do at times. That's Mario Azonia, regardless of his future, continuing to play at a high level and continuing to show that he is making progress and getting better every day, and he is. I want to make that clear as well to everyone. Mario Azonia is getting a lot better. That means Jonathan Isaac slowly increasing his minutes as he feels healthier and playing playing more and more and more and getting more responsibility, having more challenges thrown at him and seeing how he reacts and how he responds and how he grows in them. It probably means playing Ken Birch over Bismack Miyambo. Probably means playing Wessa Wundu a lot more. Right now it's about exploring how you can make these players better today and tomorrow. And developing them and, and reinforcing the habits that you're building in practice. That does mean, in my opinion, getting the occasional win. Wins reinforce habits. Losses reinforce bad habits. When you win, you get confirmation that what you're doing is working, that what you're doing is right. And that's important. Don't discount that. This team's going to lose plenty. This team is going to lose a lot of games in the final quarter of the season. But that little bit, that little piece as well is going to help. Every little victory you get is going to matter for this team's growth. The second big question is, is really about Jonathan Isaac and just how much can he grow? I think we've seen in two games where he's played about 30, 31 minutes total, just how good he can be on the defensive end. And he's not 100%, or he's not 100% back, I would say. He's 100% physically. Mentally, getting to the, getting to the speed of the game, he's not there yet. I think he'll get there. With more playing time, he will get there. Um, so... Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a lot still to go. Isaac is going to be a huge, huge story for the rest of this season. He is him and I've said this before, him and Aaron Gordon are the two most important players on the team. So whatever you can do to maximize their growth, that's what you do the fourth quarter of the season. I want to see lineups where Isaac and Gordon are together, and we've seen them for maybe a minute or two, since Isaac came back. At some point, I do want to see Isaac and Gordon in the starting line together. I know a lot of people have been going crazy over Jonathan Simmons and wanting Hazonia to start over Simmons, um, and I don't think that's too crazy. I like Hizonia, I like Simmons off the bench more in the long term. I like Hazonia off the bench more right now as well, especially since they're kind of giving him alpha minutes a little bit right now. Um, but... Honestly, before he got hurt, I thought the Magic should have started Jonathan Isaac. Instead of taking, instead of putting Jonathan Simmons in the lineup over Terrence Ross, if it weren't for the injury, I was like, put Isaac in there. Let, let the kid, let the kid go. We need the defense. There's plenty of offense on the team. Let Isaac roam defensively a little bit. Of course, the injury kind of ruined those plans. I would like to see that happen before the season ends. I think it's important that it happens before the season ends. I think the Magic, when Isaac is ready, when Isaac seems fully up to speed, need to see what Isaac and Gordon look like together. I think we all want to see that. 
another big question is how do you handle those veterans? Though? Obviously, I think the Magic do have interest in trading Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, to some extent Terrence Ross. And so the question then becomes, how do you handle those, in, those guys? Do you manage their minutes? Do you give them nights off? You know, if they get a little nick, do you hold them out for five games minimum? I think, I think you do that. I don't think we're at that point in the season yet. I think, like I said earlier, yes, you may not want to run your offense through them as much, especially late in games, maybe. But they're still important parts of this team. And I am more skeptical than most that the Magic will be able to move all of their bad, all the players they want to move this summer. I think Fournier is more likely to move at the deadline. I think they'll they'll I think they'll definitely move Vucevic this summer. And so if you can increase his trade value in any way, that's fine. With Terrence Ross, I think you need to get him some playing time. I think you need to get him some minutes just when, when he's ready, when he's healthy. Um, I think you need to throw him in there, kind of the same way you're doing Isaac, maybe like a 15, 20-minute cap, just so that he can feel confident in his body again. You don't want to go into the summer with him unsure if he can play, play at the NBA level anymore. Um, this is a long injury. Um, I was actually reading about it. It's, it's the same injury that, that J.J. Watt had. I didn't realize it was this bad. Um, J.J. Watt fractured his tibial plateau with the Texans this year. And essentially what it is is, um, is essentially instead of your ACL snapping, the ACL is so strong, or with J.J. Watt at least, according to the Sports Illustrated article I've been reading, um, the, the ACL, his ACL was so strong that it didn't snap when it should have. And so his bone broke essentially under the pressure. The pressure spread out somewhere else. That's, I mean, if I read it correctly, that's kind of the injury that Ross just had. And you can come back from it a little quicker because it heals a little faster. But yeah, that's a scary thing. And so Ross being out so long, you want to see him on the court just so he can feel confident that he can play again. And you get an idea of what he can do still and what he can do. Because, uh, again, like I said, I think Ross was really, really important earlier in the year. It's it's definitely going to be a tricky balance for the Magic to balance their veterans with their young guys that they have to play the rest of the season. It's definitely a a huge balance um, that they have to that they have to do. Um. And obviously, it's going to be very one of the enduring storylines that's going to frustrate Magic fans the rest of the year if, if those guys end up playing toward, to the end. Those are really the three big questions that I think there are for the Magic in the fourth quarter of the season. Because obviously, the results aren't going to be as important. Um, you get wins when you can. I firmly believe that. Um, but... There's obviously a lot more that you have to do as well. Um, but obviously there's a lot, there's still plenty of games to play. Magic are heading out west right now. Um, that's going to be tough. It's Utah. I think they, they, play, they, go, they go to Utah on Monday. They play the Lakers on Wednesday. They go to Sacramento, to, to the Clippers, back to LA to play the Clippers and then to San Antonio, and then back-to-back, they come home to play Milwaukee. That'll be next Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't sound right. Whatever. Um, So, it's a tough road. And then they're home for the whole month. And that's going to be a really big growth time. Like, honestly, that homestand that they have, you want to see them get better as that homestand goes on. Because they'll be home, they'll be able to practice, they'll be able to get, they'll be able to improve and work on themselves. The West Coast trip's going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of losses in that West Coast trip, maybe even to Sacramento, which would be bad. I don't think you should get swept by Sacramento. I think you need to win that game. Um, but obviously, obviously, results aren't as important as how players develop, and that's that's what we'll really focus on in the fourth quarter of the season. I want to thank everyone for watching today's episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Um, I hope 
We got some good information out to you. Hopefully had some good discussion here about the third quarter of the season, looking ahead to the final quarter of the Orlando Magic season. You can, of course, follow me. You can follow, if you like this format, if you like the Facebook Live, you can check out my podcast, Locked On Magic, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and I believe soon on Spotify. I don't think we're on Spotify quite yet. Um, but the most of the Lockdown podcasts are coming to Spotify, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and you can download them to your podcast-enabled listening device. So be sure to check that out with a daily podcast every weekday talking about the, talking about the latest with the Orlando Magic. West Coast games are coming up, uh, so we'll be staying up late and watching the Orlando Magic with you all as well. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. And if you haven't already... Like the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to our good pals at OrlandoMagicUK.com, at UK Orlando Magic on Twitter. Mikey Clark is a constant commenter here on the Facebook Live. Uh, I know Garrett Jones was in town this week. I apologize, Garrett, that I didn't didn't get to meet you. You've been a a loyal follower for a long time. Um, Always good to see you in the States. Hope you enjoyed uh, the homestand that the Magic had and, and, and enjoyed that as well. Thanks everyone again for your comments and your contribution to the to uh, the Facebook Live. Um, I, I, I I trust me, I read them all. I'm I'm, I'm keeping trying to keep track of everything. I'm definitely hoping to have uh, a little bit more on the tanking issue later on in the season. NCAA tournaments coming up, so we'll have plenty to talk about with the with the draft prospects very soon as well as the season turns over from the end of the you know end of the season to, to the beginning of the off season. So we'll be focusing a little bit more on the off season as we get a little bit closer. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for watching today's episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, as well as listening on Locked on Magic, if that's how you're consuming this. You can, again, join us every Sunday at noon, at least until the end of the season. I'll, I'll make some decisions about what we do after the season ends, after the season. But every Sunday at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page, facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily for the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. I interact with you live answer your questions live on the show. So it's a great way to connect with Orlando Magic Daily as well as Locked On Magic. That's going to do it for me though today. I want to thank you all again for watching and or listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 